This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Another very early uh, version of the live show, Bax, for our live audience at 7.30 a.m. If you're listening to the podcast version, you don't care what time it is. Um, But um, (laughs) for our live audience, uh, we're up early. Bax has to get to his real job as an engineer. Um, A lot to get into, Bax. Let's start with... um, just generally speaking, I, I just, you know, one third of the way through the regular season, not the season. I've heard people say one third of the way through the season, one third of the way through the regular season, because they're going to be playing three postseason games, Big Ten championship game, semifinal national championship game. Um, but I digress. This looks like a, I, I love what I'm seeing overall. Is this a perfect team? No, but they're a really good team and they look like a complete team. I love where this football team is at after four games. What, what do you think? Yeah, if you're looking for a perfect team in college football, you're not going to get it. Like, let's be simple. Like, honest, right? The, the quarter of your roster returns every single season. So no matter what you do, you're never going to have a perfect team. Uh, the, I think that when we look at this team, though, you have to say that the defense is wildly better. And, like, wildly pretty much is not an understatement. They are wildly better than last year. And if we had gone into a game last season, starting our fourth and fifth cornerbacks, we would have been sitting here terrified and – of giving up 400 pass yards, regardless of who's throwing the football. So I think you look at the defense and you say that these guys are already so much better than they were last year. And that's such a giant improvement. Um, flip side is the offense, even though you're missing the best receiver in the country, you've gone out and you've bludgeoned people. I mean, they just kind of casually went out and dropped 50 on a uh, Wisconsin team that the last time they gave up 50 points was also to Ohio state when it was 59, nothing. So that they've played a lot of good teams in the eight years in between that. And that's how that's that, that shows you how good that game was from OSU because they also sort of took their foot off the gas a little bit down the stretch. This was one they could have pushed into the 60s if they really had wanted to. That's the thing. I think we're almost not talking about that enough. I mean, this is a good Wisconsin team. They're not great, obviously. They lost to uh, Washington State at home, 17 to 14, but they're a good defense. Ohio State could do whatever they wanted offensively. They got 28 nothing before you could blink. That game was 52 to 14 late in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin got a garbage touchdown. And, not even make it look good. People thought that was going to be a tough game. The Buckeyes just bludgeoned them. And I feel like we're almost not talking about it enough. I've been yeah. to, like nit- nitpicking about certain stuff. But, like, overall, I just love where this team's at. And I love the Look at their like, schedule. They're going to be eight or nine wins, right? Yeah. Like, that's a good Wisconsin team. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you touched on this. So I'm going to jump ahead to this. So, 
Redshirt freshman J.K. Johnson, true freshman Jair Brown, starting corners last week. Now, Graham Mertz and Wisconsin is never going to be confused for a good passing team. But still, as you touched on, I mean, like, they looked good. We got a chance to talk to Tim Walton yesterday. He was happy with the way they played. Um, Ryan Day was happy. Hey, listen, we've been talking about uh, – we've known about J.K. Johnson. He was on the team last year, big-time recruit, one of the fastest guys on the team. We've been talking about Jair Brown all offseason. He looked good in the spring. Kid that still should have been in high school at the time. Looked good in the spring game. Jair Brown's a dog, and uh, it was good to see J.K. Johnson and, and Jair Brown show out the other night. Yeah, and talk about a need for it because we have one other scholarship cornerback who was remotely healthy. Like Ryan Turner's black stripe came off, and that I think that was almost out of like sheer necessity the week of the game because they're like, well, we're going to have to play him, so he can't play with a black stripe during the regular season. It's not a spring game. But like the reality is I didn't expect either of them to do half as well as they did. And you know that they had talent, right? These are two very highly rated guys. But, you know, there's a long history, even with OSU, where we have all these great young cornerbacks, and early on they struggle. I mean, and these are guys who later on go in the first round. I mean, very few guys show up. Like Denzel Burke did the, uh, the, the last year as a true freshman and just, you know, kick ass from day one, right? You have guys like Denzel Ward who did the same thing. But a lot of our other elite corners, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore didn't make an impact till year three. Garyon Conley his freshman year struggled. And then he ended up being amazing. So, you know, it's very rare to have young guys come out and play well right off the bat. I mean, what does Wisconsin have, 104 passing yards? Even for a bad passing team, in this day and age, that's unbelievably low. And there's a credit that goes to guys like Tanner McAllister, who kind of bailed those two out a couple times. But at the end of the day, they were way better than I expected. And I have a lot of optimism about the future for Jair Brown. We knew he was going to be good. Remember in recruiting, I think LSU was desperately trying to get him to flip to them because they knew how good he was. And the fact that OSU landed him is one one of those kids that, you know, when you're at Ohio State and what was he, like the 200th in the country or something like that? And in our recruiting class, it's like, a eh, cool. And a lot of other programs, it's like the best kid that they could possibly get, right? <laughs> so we just kind of overlook a kid like that who just kind of goes out as a true freshman against a team that's going to win eight or nine games this year. And I don't know if he gave up more than one completion. So credit to both of them. They played way better than I expected. I still want those other three back healthy as soon as possible, though. So zero depth is not the way to go through a season at corner. Yes, and they did tell us yesterday they're expected to get Cam Brown back, uh, Denzel Burke back, and Lathan Ransom back this week. Now, they're playing Rutgers. So even if even if they're, everybody's healthy, do you really are you going to risk it? I don't know, but we did hear yesterday from Coach Day and from Coach Walton that they're expected to get Cam Brown Denzel Burke and Lathan Ransom back. Well, That's Dave, what, they're just nicked up and they just kept him out as a precaution. So if they're nicked up, maybe keep him out out, of, out as a precaution again. Rutgers. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you here. I mean, if you yeah. look at it, like who would have Rutgers, Iowa, and Michigan State in a bye week until Penn State, something like that. Like, can any of those teams teams throw the football? Not Michigan really. State's been a little bit. Like, Peyton Thorne is hot and cold. Like he can. Comparatively speaking to Rutgers and Iowa, he can throw it. He's not you wouldn't want him as a, the Ohio State's quarterback, but he can last throw year's Peyton Thorne. I yeah. don't know about this year's Peyton Thorne. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, he's he's had his moments. I mean, he, Ohio State took it to Michigan State last year, big time. That kind of might have been the worst thing that could have happened to him. And then they go up to Michigan the next week to think them, oh, we can just roll our helmets out there. Michigan was well, right. All right, let's get into this. Um, because I know everybody wants to know about this. Um Bax, how, how concerned are you about the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury, if at all? Now, Ohio State is saying, oh, you know, he's going to be back relatively soon. Probably won't be back this week. You know, JSN said something himself on social media, kind of vague. Um, there's been some rumors out there. Um, 
how concerned are you about this uh, hamstring injury for JSN, if at all? I'm not as concerned with the actual injury. I'm as concerned about what everybody telling him about the injury means for the Buckeyes. Because uh, if you remember, there's a certain receiver on your Cincinnati Bengals um, who might have, I don't know, chosen to skip his senior year and still ended up as a top 10 pick. Uh, if you're one of those people around JSN and you already know that he's virtually certain a top 10 pick right now, how many people are in his year saying, don't rush back? In fact, you probably shouldn't even be playing. Like, this is a sign from the football gods. Maybe don't play again. Look at how good OSU is doing without you. Maybe you don't need to play anymore. Why would you risk anything related to your draft stock? What happens if you come back and you hurt yourself worse? I'm very concerned about that aspect of it. I think in a vacuum, sure, JSN will be back at some point. And it'll be in the second half of the year where we need him more, especially to the playoff run. But And he's a really good kid. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to play. But there's a certain real politic of this where – you're about to be a generational millionaire based on your resume already up to this point. You're the record holder at Ohio State for catches in a season and yards in a season, and you just had the greatest Rose Bowl in history of any wide receiver. Do you really need to do this? That's going to be the conversation the longer this drags on. And I tell you what, like it wouldn't shock me if people aren't going to use that that example and be like, look, it's been took the year off. Top, top, was he sixth overall, fifth overall, right? So that's the fear here, guys. It's not the injury to me. I mean, given as much time as he needs to recover, I don't care if he plays until Michigan, to be frank. But, you know, are we going to have him for the playoff? We're going to have him for the Big Ten championship game? Are we going to have him when Ann Ar- the Ann Arborites come to town? There's going to be people who tell him not to play strongly. And that's just a, being honest about it. I want him to play. I, I think he'll be able to play this year. But there's a certain point where is the juice worth the squeeze for a guy who's about to sign a $20-something million contract? That's the question that none of us can answer right now. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll tell you one thing we can't answer. How about Cade Stover? Love what I'm saying. He's just an absolute beast. I can't talk about it enough. I talked about it on Wednesday or on Monday. We're going to have a tight end with 30 catches, Dave. We're oh, going to have it. It's going to happen. He, he looks like a monster out there. I love it. Right down to the way he looks, literally, and then the way he's playing. He's just, he looks like an absolute stud. And I can't say this enough. Like, he looks like the best tight end Ohio State's had in recent memory. And that's a high bar. I, I think we look at some of these tight ends like, well, they didn't have that many receptions. The NFL liked him. Jeff Hireman, third round pick. Nick Vanette, third round pick. Jeremy Ruckert this past year, third round pick. In between those guys, Luke Farrell, fifth-round pick. Boom, 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 boom. Four straight NFL uh, draft picks, three of them third-rounders. And Cade Stover looks like the best of the bunch. And I give Ryan Day a lot of credit for evolving as a play caller. He's been an excellent play caller overall, but he needed to evolve a little bit, and he's done that. I give him so much credit for not being like, I'm Ryan Day. I have the number one offense in the country. I don't need to change what I'm doing. Um, Yeah, he's always trying to get a little bit better. Now we're seeing some eye formation, using the tight end. Kate Stover looks like a beast, and Julian Fleming stepping up too. Kate Stover looks like Mike Allstott playing tight end, like <laughs> like, like visually. It. That's what he looks yeah. like, doesn't he? Speed. Like, <laughs> and it's impressive to me how much better he's gotten catching the ball compared to yeah. last year. Like you talk about guys that have taken steps this year, and we've all talked about Tommy Eichenberg, um, like the stuff that he's done. But Kate Stover last year, like he missed some easy catches. Uh, my fear about putting him at tight end was that I didn't know if he was going to catch the ball consistently enough for what is often a safety route, right? 
well, God bless him. He is catching everything thrown his way this year. I mean, outside of a couple hospital level passes from from Stroud in the Wisconsin game where the poor kid got lit, uh, he has been impressive. I mean, and he's absolutely on pace to have that mythical 30 catch number that we never thought our tight ends would ever again have. And like you said, it's sort of a byproduct of Ryan Day. God bless him. He is starting to self-scout himself because uh, I think the, the knock on Ryan Day the last season and a half has been he loves to throw the ball. Oh, he loves to throw the ball. He'll run to keep you honest, but he loves to throw the ball. Well, we've actually started running a lot more in situations this season than maybe we wouldn't have last year as a part of trying to keep that balance. But when you have that balance, what does that open up? It opens up play action to your tight end. And when you have a tight end like Stover, that's not a glorified wide receiver, right? It, it's, a, it, it's a player who is in there blocking, is in there doing his job as part of the offensive's requirements for the tight end. So there's a lot of times where they have to take him seriously as a blocker, and then he gets into space. I think it's, I think it's phenomenal what he's done. We're not talking enough about Cade Stover from what we've seen in four games because I didn't expect anything near this level. In fact, I sort of in the back of my head expecting G Scott to take over because I didn't think Stover could catch like this. He's done everything that's asked of him, and the attitude that you see from him, you know, we, we, like he and I, he and Eichenberg last year in the Rose Bowl had their big games at linebacker, and then Stover switches back to tight end. Most of us were like, what are we doing? What? Are, like, what? Turns out they knew what the heck they're doing. I mean, he's done a great job this year. Heck he's yeah. he's he's probably the best tight end in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, everybody touted the, the Michigan tight ends coming into the year. Um, I know Iowa's got a good tight end. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but he does. He, he looks like he looks like he could be like a Mackey Award like finalist. Yeah. Not just yeah. – he is a candidate – that's how good he looks. And he's blocking. Watch him block sometimes. They they had a play where they threw the ball. Ryan Day talked about the little bubble screen. Kate Stover's out there just just drilling people, clearing the way for the bubble screen. I'm he looks like there. he likes the block. And you could he looks he like does. a linebacker out there. It's like that's uh, his opportunity to deck people. Like he does not sit there and go, I'm gonna hold you off. He goes, I'm gonna kill you. That mindset is so impressive. It's such a cliche to say, Oh, he's a football player. He's, he's, he's a, a football, football player. player. Um, he's a football know, player. Uh, but he is a football. He's a Mr. Football of Ohio. I mean, Kate Stover's a football player. Like, wait, wait, Dave. Did you know he grew up on a farm? <laughs> I've heard about that. Do you know they sell meat? <laughs> I loved Jeremy Ruckert last year said after he gets drafted, he was going to buy a half a cow's worth of meat from Stover Farms. For those who have no idea what we're talking about, yeah, everybody talks about, I'm sure most people do, so people talk about it all the time, Kate Stover. Grew up on a farm to this day. His dad runs the farm. Cade helps with it when he can, and they sell meat. Dave, I think everybody watched that broadcast last Saturday night where, hey, Cade Stover's playing well. Let's talk about how he grew up on a farm 16 times. (laughs) We have somebody on Facebook, Charles White, saying he's Farmer Gronk. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I I hope he turns into half of the – I don't know if he's quite as crazy as Gronk, but I hope he turns into half the tight end that Gronk was. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's gonna be a uh, yeah if he's gonna party like Gronk. Hopefully not. Somebody Neil, hey, I hope number thirty-five All American Tommy Eichenberg. I agree. Tommy Eichenberg looks like he's gonna be a Butkus finalist to me. He's playing great. So yeah, all the flowers to Kate Stover and Tommy Eichenberg. Those guys are studs. Go ahead, Bax. I was just gonna say I hope Kate Stover has the Gronk level life success of dating a SI swimsuit cover model. So good. For, oh, look, look at the, look at the path he's put himself on. <laughs> 
I, we have a, a comment from YouTube says, Dave Biddle, love your analysis this year. It's getting much better from years previously. Well, I mean, when you set the bar really low, then that's the thing. And I can only get better, right? I Look mean, at his bar, name, Dave. He's a pessimistic the, Buckeye. When you're at, the, when you're at the, <laughs> the ocean's floor, there's all you can only go up, you know? So, uh, you know, I hit rock bottom and, then, and I, my analysis is getting better. So that's good. Thank you, pessimistic Buckeye. I appreciate that. Um, all right. A couple more things to get to here. Um, now, Okay. I think this is a good, this is more of just, yeah, this is a question from Spider, Spider Sillery on YouTube. How good is Teron Vincent doing? He's doing really good, I think, Bax. He played really well this past mm -hmm. game. What do you think? He's a guy that I had sort of mentally written off a little bit, um, <laughs> to be honest. And he's had a nice season to start. He's flashed at times. He's kept a guy like Tyleek Williams off the field far more than I expected to see and probably more than Tyleek Williams expected to see. Um, you know, I think, I think Vincent's a guy that, it's always weird seeing a DT wear number six too. Isn't that kind of goofy? Like a single digit guy like that. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like he has performed, he has taken care of business inside. And, you know, when you have that healthy competition at a position, it helps everybody be better. Right. Like you don't just say, all right, you're the starters. Here you guys go. Whenever you're done. Well, you guys will get your time. The fact that there's multiple guys in there fighting to get on the field is so important and a guy like teron vincent who's been around for a long time sort of sees this as his time and you know think about it think of the, the teams that have won championships over the course of the last 20 years at ohio state right remember a guy like curtis grant all of us wrote off curtis grant that year we all thought raekwon mcmillan in 2014 was going to be the guy curtis grant couldn't cover the pass why are we doing this get raekwon in there and raekwon played some but god bless curtis grant that that last year player attitude you know, he essentially said, we're going to go play ball and you guys are going to follow my lead. And you're, I'm going to surprise everybody. And he did. He had a great year, a great year. That's the kind of player Teron Vincent could be on this team is a guy that maybe everybody's overlooked. Maybe people have written off because his career up to this point hasn't been maybe what we all thought it would be coming out of high school. And he's the kind of guy that ends up having a really good season. Well, we're a third away through the regular season now. And he's lived up to that so far. He's been really good so far. And I don't think we've talked about him enough. Now that has to continue. And he has to keep fending off all the all the young D tackles that are going to need to be on that field too. But he's had a nice year. We have a question about another one from Spider asking about uh, Sonny Styles. I mean, Sonny Styles looks great, but they're so deep at safety. It's like I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. He should he should be playing pick for pick central right now. Yeah, and but when he makes some of the plays like he did, Dave, he looks like a was bully. I love it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It looked like somebody literally shot him out of a cannon. Not like, oh, he was shot out of a cannon. No, I, I thought somebody launched him in that one play where he just knifed through the back foot. I went, who the hell was that? I'm sitting there like, Sonny Styles? Holy cow. I didn't expect to even see him on the field. The explosiveness from him was next level. That there was, He made a couple plays out there that there's simply no other safety we have athletically can do. Like that. That's the simple answer to this. Young or not. Uh, and I don't think we're going to see him be like all of a sudden a starting safety. Like that's a really hard position to figure out. It's, it's actually the most important position in Knowles' scheme if you listen to him, right? But like at the end of the day, the athleticism from Sonny Styles was special. This kid is going to be good, like really, really good, because that kind of explosion can't be taught. Let's get out of here on this. All right, Michigan at Iowa. What do you expect out of this game? Can <laughs> Maybe can can Iowa even get double digits? Michigan did not look good to me at all again. Now Maryland has a very good offense. Well, give me a three nothing Iowa win. How about that? I just had a nightmare. Michigan <laughs> won nine to four. Oh my god. Nine to four. 
<laughs> hey, it wouldn't be the first time this year Iowa's had two safeties in a game. I know. They scored I know. seven points against an FCS team. And you think, oh, they scored one touchdown. No, they had two safeties and a field goal. Their offense is donkey crap. <laughs> like, I, I, it's amazing to me that Brian Ferentz is still allowed to like call that offense. But Michigan's going to pound them. I mean, let's be real here. Michigan will run three tight ends and two fullbacks out of the eye. Just, you know pound Iowa down the field they'll probably win the game like 35 to 3 or something because Iowa cannot play offense uh, I think Maryland is a better team than people think I think Michigan is not as good as people think and Michigan also hadn't played a schedule worth a crap if you look at that game by the way for Maryland if they don't fumble the opening kickoff or if the interception that Michigan got midway through the second quarter that was a blatant ball hits the ground the guy's hands pop off of it and they still gave the ball to, to Michigan and they ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. Either of those plays go the other way. Maryland might have won that game. And I'm not saying Maryland is all of a sudden the second coming, but they actually have talent, right? Like Loxley can recruit, and he's sitting on some talent. So this is the first team Michigan played this year with a pulse, and they didn't impress. The problem is I don't think Iowa has a pulse. So I'm not, I am not. I don't think this is going to be anything more than a Michigan grinds them out kind of boring game out of like straight out of 1998. All right, Lila, we'll get you out of here on this. We have a question from David. On YouTube, has Tyleek Williams regressed from last year? Usually there is a jump from your freshman to sophomore year. I think he's played well when he's in there. It's just Mike Hall and Tehran are, are the starters. I think Tyleek's played well. What do you think, Bax? I have two words. Ever heard of a sophomore slump? It doesn't happen because they get worse. It happens because maybe they get a little happy or maybe they're in their head. that You know, Tyleek probably came into the season thinking he was going to be the man because we all talked him up so much last year. And even last year, he didn't play as much as we all thought he should have. Yeah, he wasn't right? sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the process here. Young guys, some guys come in with that, you know, A++ mindset, and they're ready to rock and roll, and they're ready to, you know, do whatever it takes. Some of these other guys are just sheer physically talented guys, and they're still learning the process of it. Guess what? Teron Vincent and Mike Hall, should they not be on the field? Because they both played really well. I mean, Mike Hall's been our best defensive lineman. I know. Did anybody, crazy. I know. Did anybody see that coming? No. Nope. And maybe, I think Tyler, maybe Mike Hall's dad did. Maybe Michael Hall Sr. saw it coming. I don't know. Yeah, right. I didn't Mike see Hall, you know who saw it coming? Mike Hall Jr. He saw it coming. <laughs> he saw it coming. Because, because he showed up and worked. And I'm not saying Tyleek didn't, but Mike Hall was hungry, whereas I think Tyleek might have had expectations after a freshman year where we all were begging for more of him, right? Um, and I think at the end of the day, yeah, he's having a fine year, and he'll keep having a better year. But this is a learning process. Not all young guys come in and just go pew to the roof. There's an up and down side of it, right? Like, that's development. And he'll be perfectly fine. He's only going to get better. Uh, but, you know, the sophomore slump is a thing. And it's not because kids get worse. It's because mentally, you know, sometimes they get happy with their success, and they, they, they don't keep taking the next step when it comes to things like effort. I mean, Denzel look at Burke. Zach Harrison. Denzel you know? Burke. Denzel, Denzel Burke's Burke. another one. He's yeah. having a sophomore slump. Now, I know he's banged up, didn't play this last game, but when he's been healthy, he has not looked anywhere yeah. near like And he was a true freshman last year. I'm thinking, well, he's definitely going to be better as a sophomore. It's another example of a sophomore slump. But that hunger is a real thing, Dave. That hunger is a real thing. Denzel yeah. Burke came in last year saying, I'm going to earn this spot. I'm playing. Bleep all y'all. And then this offseason, he was like, that's what it looks like, you know, right now. So you have to recalibrate mentally and do the work. Like that's the bottom line. Anything you do in life that you want to be successful at on a consistent basis, you have to be willing to do the work. And you have to be willing to do the work when others aren't watching. That's the reality. Like what do you do in the dark, right? And some guys, 
think in their head, I'm awesome. Look how good I did. And when that, that slacks from 100% in the dark to 80% in the dark, that's a giant gap at an elite level. That's all it is. It's nothing wrong. That's human. These kids will learn and they'll get better from it. And hopefully the, this is the opportunity for a guy like Burke to recalibrate and get himself back out there and do the things that he needed to do because he's still an awesome athlete. He's still a special player, right? But most sophomore sumps, if you talk to coaches out there, are the results of you know mental preparation not being where it needs to be to take that next step. Great stuff out of the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we had Tyler asking, uh, please talk about J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown. We did very early in the show. You can go back and, and rewatch the show. We did talk about those guys getting their first starts and, and playing well and, and looking good. I'm high on both those guys, J.K. Johnson and Jair Brown. Uh, great stuff out of Bax. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the questions and comments. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.